Spotlights is a series of online events and publications focusing on a particular group of victim survivors who are often hidden from services. As part of Safe Life Spotlight on domestic abuse and young people, this week my colleague Deirdre has come to London to speak to Helen Bonnick about child-to-parent violence with a particular focus on children with disabilities. Helen has worked as a social worker since 1983, but since completing her MA in parent violence in 2004, she has dedicated her career to helping professionals, young people and their parents better understand and respond to child-to-parent abuse through her website, Holes in the Wall. Today we'll be exploring what child-to-parent violence is through the lens of disability, be that a physical disability or a learning disability. We hope that you find it both interesting and informative. Helen, thank you for speaking with me again today. It's lovely to be here again. Great. So um, just kind of building on what we spoke about last week, what is the connection between disability and child-to-parent violence? Okay, so um, first of all, let's just say that we're going to think about all different types of disability. So uh, physical disability, uh, learning difficulties, learning disabilities. Um, So it's it's quite complex and different things are going to come into play, I guess. Um, And we need to think about children and young people as being first and foremost children so they will have um, all the other stuff that's going on in their lives that Mm. will be impacting any child so perhaps an experience of of domestic violence in their past or perhaps um, neglect or abuse or perhaps some other traumatic experience that they've experienced but then on top of that they have an added level of disability and that can then bring its own should we say trauma or um, contributory factors? So mm-hmm. we're not, and we're not talking about here a, a cause between disability and child-to-parent violence. I think it's really important to say that say that 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 it, this would be um, a link, mm-hmm. but but we can't say because you're disabled you're going to be violent to your, towards your parents, and yeah. that's really important. And there will be many families with with a, a, a child who has a disability of any kind where. There isn't, there's no experience of, of violence or abuse. Great. So um, I think I asked a similar question in the previous podcast, which is there are a lot of understandable reasons why um, a disabled child might lash out in anger or frustration um, at their parent or care, the um, person that's closest to them. What is the difference between that happening and actual child-to-parent violence as it's defined? Mm. So one of the really key things is going to be about consistency and mm-hmm. um, whether uh, it's there's you can whether a family is having to change their behaviour and yeah. um, their lifestyle and obviously having a disabled child means that you've changed lots of elements of your lifestyle yeah. already. Um, but if if the 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 violence and abuse is consistent and it follows a pattern and it's perhaps escalating. And um, it's meaning that you're confined, your behaviour, your normal socialisation is impacted. Then I think, mm-hmm. you know, as you said, very similar to last time, that's, what, that's actually what we're talking about. It's not the kind of um, limbs flailing or the, the kind of the, the inarticulated frustration, perhaps, mm-hmm. but much more serious than that. There are um, 
some parents will talk about two distinct types um, so they perhaps even in their own child they might recognise that there are sometimes when their child is having a colossal meltdown yeah. and really has no control over what's going on something yeah. has happened um, perhaps something's triggered some behaviour or um, just a real anxiety for them or pain or frustration and they mm. just kind of lose it Yeah, and that might be about you know a child may become very verbally abusive so um there will sometimes there is a very definite intent Mm. to um to to change what's going on in the way that the the family dynamics are so um yes i think the the consistency of of behavior yeah um will set it apart from just the lashing out and and the the one-off thing but but we've got a bit of nuance coming in already about how we're understanding what's going on yeah, it sounds like from what you're saying, it's a mixture of things. It's that kind of mm. lack of control and lashing out, anger, frustration. But then there are elements where um, they are being intentional about what they're doing. I think um, it, it is sometimes quite difficult to say what's yeah. going on, and parents will say, and it may be diff- it's going to be different for each young person. Yeah, it might be different in a different situation. Yeah. Something's happened during the day, so um, a child. Perhaps let's say um, with on the autistic spectrum, yeah. may really really struggle at school, and um, but may because they've got really good support perhaps at school, yeah. kind of manage to, to hold it all together. Perhaps the school are really understanding, mm. have got a really ma- impressive support plan in place, but that whole effort of holding it together, yeah, um, may just be too exhausting. A child comes home and. They're now safe. They can now express their feelings. They can now express their frustration. They can now kind of let it all go. Um, so is that about um, exerting power and control? Is that about intent? I, I don't know. That, that's, that feels like, oh, I can be real. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel safe now. In another situation, you might have... Um, a child who very deliberately needs to um, to change the balance of power within the family. Perhaps they, um, or or perhaps just things start to happen. So um, let's say, okay, let's say you've got a, a child who has um, undiagnosed blue ear and mm. deafness from very very early on. So um, that sort of, uh, of issue will sometimes become. Uh, diagnosed quite early on yep. but if it's undiagnosed for some reason a child goes to school they may be unable to um, take part in, in lessons because they can't hear what's going on perhaps mm-hmm. they're in a lot of pain the parents getting very frustrated um, the school's getting frustrated the child's getting frustrated the child starts taking it out on parents at mm-hmm. home um, and parents start to kind of try and work out what's going on you start to change your behavior a little bit you start to accommodate what you're doing to fit in to meet the needs of this child perhaps soon you do get a diagnosis but now you've got more um, trips to hospital some of those are going to be quite traumatizing they might involve a lot more pain um, and the child is starting to be very demanding yeah. so the family dynamic shifts again yeah. and patterns are set up within yeah. the home about how people are now responding to each other who's accommodating whose needs yeah. um, what allowances are being made mm. um, and that impacts on how people behave with each other it impacts on who control what's going on yeah. and 
that starts quite slowly perhaps but over time that will build on it and build on it and build on it and a child will learn um, that by behaving in a certain way they can make something happen yeah um, and so children want stuff to happen they want what they want yeah exactly the <laughs> or, yeah. child has to survive so when yeah. you think about what the young person can do and what the parent can do yeah. to change things to kind of change that dynamic mm-hmm. it's almost like well that thing can't change because yeah. that's what they need to get by so right. what can and the change? whole day may revolve around getting yeah. someone ready for the bus or getting yeah. yes, and then will we yeah, have we got the equipment we need or yeah. how will they be when they come back yeah so it's very much an all-consuming thing in that sense yeah and can have a huge impact on other members of the family as well yeah exactly so if they have to keep doing that thing if they have to keep making a lot of their day revolve around that child because it has to is it about the way that it's approached within the family that needs to change so kind of the relationships and power dynamics that need to change I guess um, it, it's yeah everybody needs to be kind of kind of clued into what's going on because yeah. I think things happen very subtly and we don't no- always notice what's going on we don't yeah. necessarily notice where we've become so it's about early awareness and early early attention. awareness early support and, and always I've come back to support for parents yeah. help parents to talk to each other help parents to talk about what's going on yeah um, so that they're not isolated and they're not um, it's not so intense then I think yeah. um, it's a very intense experience to have a child who has any sort of disability so to try and bring that temperature down a little bit yeah. and to, to get other support is really crucial mm. and I can imagine it's quite isolating as well often it will mean it makes normal stuff really difficult you can't yeah. just go out for the evening yeah. you can't pop to the pub you can't it's much more difficult to go on holiday. Yeah. Um, it may be that it's difficult for other siblings to have friends around, or to, yeah. so it does have a huge impact on on the whole family. Yeah. Um, and of course, for the parents, there's all the pressure there. Um, and we know that uh, in many families, that that stress, that pressure, that disagreement as to the best way of doing things can can lead to families splitting up often mm. as well. So it's a it's a it affects the whole family. It affects the, the child themselves and how they understand their disability, how they feel about things. It yeah. affects siblings. It affects the parents very much. Yeah. And in our previous podcast, um, where we talked about childbearing violence, we talked a bit about the connection between a child or a young person experiencing or being exposed to domestic abuse and then later on either becoming a victim of domestic abuse or um, causing harm themselves. Is this a similar situation, I'm guessing, that's happening for um, disabled children and young people as well? Is there a connection between their sometimes violent behaviour and their experiences or exposure to domestic abuse early on? Yes. (laughs) Um, I think, um, as I said at the beginning, we have to understand that these are just children at one level, so they will have already um, experienced perhaps other, other issues in their lives. There's one particular um, group of children that we're just starting to become aware of, and that's, um, or should I, let's say more aware of, children who have experienced fetal alcohol um, spectrum disorders. And there's a lot of work and campaigning going on around that at the moment. So really working to prevent parents, mothers drinking during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But they're now looking at um, maybe one in a hundred children the World Health Organization thinks may be affected and this is an, uh, a physiological change 
um, that affects children, which has a huge impact on, on their understanding, on their interpretation of the world, on the way they respond to other people, the way they relate to other people. Mm. Um, and so for those children, you've got the that level of what do I understand what's going on that's impacting how I behave. Yeah. Though a lot of those children may... Um, go on to be adopted yep so you've now got an added layer of um, separation and loss yeah for those children and then they may move between a number of foster parents before they're adopted so you've yeah. got that layer of, of trauma going on and then within their, their new family you've got uh, so now you, within a new family you've got the, the, the physiological harm mm-hmm. which may impact on how much control they have on what's going on yep the way we un- the lack of understanding, which means we may be responding to it wrong. Yeah, you've got layers of, of loss and trauma, which will be impacting. We know separately on a child's um, um, ability to cope with situations, so they may become violent and abusive just because of that on its own. Yeah. Um, so multi layers of stuff going on for, for many of these children it, it's not just about their disability it will be about other things that are going on for them yeah so it seems like it's similar to what we talked about before which is multiple adverse childhood experiences mm. coming together to to make it maybe more likely that they might yeah um, cause and, harm. and of course many children will this is the disclaimer many children yeah. will um, have experienced adverse experiences but will yeah. have had resilience built in will have supportive families and may not exhibit violence and abuse but some will yeah um and it's those parents that we and families that we want to support yep and their disability is just one of many factors having a a role in that Mm, that might have quite a big role yeah part to play but it's it's one of those and that's why we need to look at things holistically i talked about that last time yeah we can't just deal with the violence Nope. without looking at has this child got some sort of diagnosis yeah. have they got previous adverse ex- childhood experiences mm-hmm. we need to be looking at all of these issues and yeah. really putting support into all of them if we want to, to be able to change the situation definitely so um, a lot of people listening might be thinking what does um, abuse look like in these situations do you have any examples of, of how it might be um, acted out um, so uh, one example then that I could give you is of a child who um, had a physical disability mm-hmm. and was being quite badly bullied at school. Yep. Uh, not able, in common with many children that bullied, didn't feel able to talk about what was going on. Yeah. Um, came home and started be- becoming uh, quite a- abusive, verbally abusive, and, and started pushing and shoving at home. And uh, as a child themselves, they were very conscious of their appearance, quite low self-esteem, um, very upset because there was a genetic component. Yeah. Um, and so really starting to take it out on their parents yeah. in a very deliberate way. So um, I spoke to mum after she'd been pushed down the stairs and she'd yeah. got a broken nose um, and, and quite a, an intense level of of abuse to to mother particularly but um, high levels of aggression within the home but that child because of how they felt about themselves was also self-harming and um, lots of threats against their own life so a really complex situation there Um, and they were finally able to get some help Um, the school then referred them on for some counselling and they were able to get some help but it was a very slow process 
and the child got some help, um, medical help for their condition as well, so mm-hmm. which improved the situation. Um, but yes, it, the, the actual abuse can look very much like any um, domestic abuse in that sense. Yeah. I'm guessing this obviously has a massive effect on the individual who's directly experiencing the abuse, but there will be siblings, there will be other family yeah. members. How does it um, affect the family as a whole? So um, the family as a whole will be um, perhaps very afraid, always anticipating that something else might happen. Um, It prevents a normal day-to-day life and the siblings will will be affected because they may be very fearful of what's going on. They may decide to stay out of the house as much as possible to Mm. be away from the person or they may, if they're younger, they may not have that possibility and they may spend a lot of time in their own room yeah um, or they may be taught to dial 999 or there are all sorts of situations but it's not a normal life family experience for for a sibling by any means yeah Um, and yes as we said before that you end up in a situation where the home life revolves very much around that that child and that has a huge impact on on normal family life really as we as we've experienced it I can imagine Mm -hmm. um and, you know, what is the impact on, on the young person causing harm? I mean, as you said before mm. in the previous podcast, a lot of times they're frustrated. It's, it's a yeah. behaviour that they see is bad and, and they're angry or frustrated that mm. they can't change or find it yeah. difficult to change. And I think it, it, well, it's going to be very isolating for them often as well because they um, it's difficult for, to have friends around, to, to engage in social activities. If you've yeah. got a child who can't read cues or who pushes people away or other parents see what's going on perhaps in school and don't want involvement with that child yeah so um, it, it can be quite isolating in that sense um, they it may be that their behavior at school means that they've suffered a lot of exclusions or maybe internal exclusions or maybe they're sent home yeah so their own schooling will, will be affected and that then has huge impacts on your job prospects later on yeah um it may have impact on um, mental health, on homelessness, yeah. all these things in the long term um, if, if we're not able to get in and tackle things earlier on. It has a massive mm. impact. Yes. Um, and we talked a lot in the previous podcast about the effect on the parent or the carer mm. who um, is being harmed. And like we talked about before, um, they feel obviously a sense of responsibility for their child. They have a legal responsibility for them. Mm-hmm. But I think there's an added layer when it comes to disability as well, whereas they are oftentimes their main care and have that Absolutely. level of responsibility. Yeah. So when that um, child that they're caring for is being s- severely abusive, what can they do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's about trying to make sure other people know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and um, speaking up quite early on in order yeah. to get any sort of support um, it, it is a really serious problem because they may be the main carer but they may mean that they lose their work yeah. because they've got to stay at home more or maybe they lose their job because they're always having to take time off because the child is always excluded from school yeah. um, or maybe because they don't want to be seen in work with a black eye and mm-hmm. so they start having more and more time off yeah um, and so th- things can get very complicated like that but yes the, the to be responsible for that person you can't it, you can't just give up on that somehow no. as a parent there is I mean with perhaps more with disability we have got um, 
recognition of the need for respite care for some yeah. young people. So some young people will go perhaps to residential schools yeah. or to um, short breaks in the, in the holidays. And that can be really valuable, that period of just being able to breathe, to focus on the other children. Yeah. Um, and for some, that might be enough, that they yeah. can, they've got their strength, they can cope with the rest of, yeah. of everything if they've got that breather, if they've got someone that's hearing them. Um, but it needs to be, again, it needs to be uh, done in a really planned and supportive way so that the young person then doesn't feel more angry that they've... And they have suddenly you could have more control because you know your parents can't cope with you. Yeah. Um, so it's it needs to be done in a planned and supportive way and, and with recognition of all of your issues, really. Definitely. So that kind of leads on to the next question, which is... Um, what do you think the response should be from professionals for the young person causing harm, but also for the parents? What would kind of the ideal holistic response be? So, again, we're looking at a need for a clearer understanding of the multiple issues that are involved yep. and not just trying to deal with one of the issues. And each of those might need a separate therapeutic response. Yep. So it might um, be that a young person has... Um, work with someone to deal with their trauma but they also need work to, to um, deal, deal, deal with their experience of domestic violence but yeah. they might also, the family might need help around de-escalation techniques mm. um, how to manage a child who's having a meltdown because of the trauma, that they're, the triggers and the unbelievable stress they're under at that yeah. moment, how can you help that child to calm down in a safe way yeah. um, so that everybody around you is safe and um, for some parents, maybe teaching as part of that, as part of the holistic work that's going on, that may be about teaching safe ways of holding a child to, to, to bring them down and to help them to feel safe. So that the child um, feels safe and feels held as well and yeah. doesn't feel very panicked and very out of control. Um, we've talked about respite. I think we, we're, we're back to talking about the need for developing awareness across all agencies and developing um, response so that wherever a parent goes for help, people understand what the issues are and yeah. can offer at least a basic first-line response and mm. then maybe refer them on to somewhere else. But that understanding is so crucial and sadly we still aren't at that level where no. everybody understands what's going on. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are beginning to understand domestic abuse as a whole. But then mm. when you get into the nuances yeah. of child-to-parent violence... Um, it messes with our heads, doesn't yeah. it? Because it's just so out of our thinking that we... Yeah. That's not what children do. That's not what yeah. families do. Yeah. That's not how my family was, you know. So so you think, no, I don't. I think I've heard you wrong. I think yeah. you're talking about something else. Yeah. yeah. But they need to be listened to and understood and believed, mm. it sounds like. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining me today to talk about this very interesting and important issue. Thank you for having me, and I really hope that, that this um, Spotlight feature is successful and, and brings about greater awareness of the needs of young people. Thank you. So do we. I think you've made it more successful by joining us. <laughs> um, and if people want to find out more, they can go to your website, holesinthewall.co.uk. Yep. Great. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more from Safe Lives Spotlight on young people and domestic abuse, please go to our website, safelives.org.uk, where we'll be uploading new content every week. 
each exploring a different aspect of young people and domestic abuse. If you'd like to participate in the discussion, you can go to our website to sign up for the webinar on March 3rd between 1 and 2pm and also join in the Twitter Q&A conversation on March 15th between 1 and 2pm. Just go to hashtag safeyounglives. Thank you.